and, and then all of a sudden creating content was no longer uh, part of what we were supposed to do. I think that's where it's also important to have a team that is very comfortable uh, failing, very comfortable saying, okay, we tried, it didn't work out. Can we just reflect on why we think it didn't work out the way we thought about it? Can we, you know, tweak? Can we try again? So I think it, it, it was really, really interesting because all of a sudden we need to think ourselves as learners. Mm -hmm. So the advice is make sure you map out what the boundaries are or what you can and cannot do, because then it allows you to go faster on the things you can do. Hello, my lovely listeners, and welcome back to the Marketing for Learning podcast. Today, you are joining me with a wonderful interview with the head of people at Data Snipper, Alvaro Caballero. We had a really incredible conversation. I've actually worked with Al and collaborated with him in terms of developing a learning campaign back when he worked at ING Bank. And Al shared some incredible learnings that his team there had. They introduced marketing into the fray about four years ago and completely flipped the learning function on its head. Believe it or not, they stopped producing content and they started focusing on curation and communication. They've been using marketing for learning for about four years. The progressive attitude that they have, they didn't start and do everything at once. They they really did walk before they ran. And as a consequence of that, they're really starting to see some very credible results now with regards to evolving the learning culture, establishing the learning brand within the Tech Academy, and more than anything, increasing the engagement and therefore overall performance of their learners. Al is such a fascinating character, lots of personality coming through in this session. And as per usual, really challenged my thinking and got me considering things I had never thought about before. It's a wonderful listen, and I really thank you for taking the time to hear it. Again, Al, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the Marketing for Learning podcast. I'm today joined by Alvaro Caballero. He is the head of people at Data Snipper. And today we're going to talk about Al's experiences with Marketing for Learning. I've actually collaborated with Al in the past in one of his previous roles in terms of building out communications and marketing campaigns. So I think we've got a lot to dig into. Al, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. You're very welcome. Lovely to be here, Ash. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it's nice to actually speak to somebody where we have collaborated and we've done some work together. I think obviously there's going to be a little bit more rapport there. First and foremost, before we go any further, obviously you've been working in L&D for quite a while or in the world of people. Do you want to give me a bit of background into your experience and, you know, what you've done, what's taken you on your journey to get you to head of people at Data Snipper? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Mexico, born and raised in Yucatan in Merida. Um, I've been in Europe for the past 15 years or so, and uh, uh, the reason I ended up in the Netherlands, my home for the last 12 years was ING. In terms of studies, I'm an engineer. I graduated uh, as a mechatronics engineer, and then I did some studies uh, for a master in terms of management. And I would say my path towards HR and towards learning and development, particularly, uh, has two sources. The first one is I really, really come from a family of learning. You know, everyone in my mom's side of the family has something to do with education, either teachers or psychologists. And my mom herself, she, she owns a school, an elementary school together with my sister. So that really comes from there. And the other is when I joined ING, I started doing things related to knowledge management, enterprise social collaboration, which had this embedded learning component there, right? Mm. And eventually I landed a role in the Tech Academy, which was, it is specialized on the learning and development needs of engineers at ING globally. 
Okay. So that has been a little bit the arc of uh, of my career, and now expanding in HR with uh, that snippers ahead of uh, people. Awesome, and I, you know, I love I love that you kind of fell into L and D. You know, despite your origins and lifelong learning, and I love that you've probably been brought up in a a family who's very passionate about promoting. Uh, self-development, failure, I, I expect those are elements of your life. But very few people I meet actually are like, I want to go work in L&D. You know, like we, we don't we don't get taught that in school or college, do we? I certainly didn't know anything about it when I wanted to be a marketer. Um, you know, I, so I think there's probably been a lot of learnings for you, obviously, in, in terms of getting into learning and development from a career in engineering. What would you say so far, obviously, you know, you've been in, how long have you been in L&D for now then? Um, strictly speaking, it will be probably five years. Okay. Um, I had, I had other roles, uh, smaller roles, uh, but as I mentioned, I was doing stuff for, first, I was a consultant for collaboration, but it had this very strong learning and development component. I was in charge mm -hmm. of developing some training, some courses, and, you know, so it is not called L and D, but I was an L and D practitioner. Uh, yeah. uh, so that will be even, even longer. Uh, I was a tutor when I was in high school, you know, so I've, I've, I've been around that. <laughs> you were destined for this place. It was unavoidable. It was calling out to you. <laughs> Do you think even in the, in that five years of being like just in, enmeshed in L and D as as your career, if you want to look at it that way, have you seen a huge amount of progressive change or evolution in that time, or do you think we've kind of stayed in the same place? Oh no, I think there's been a lot of like an accelerated evolution. I, I really think the industry and the practice of L and D is catching up fast. In a way, I think it's a good thing. No, not in a way. It is a good thing. But I think we're coming from a, a, a laggard. So there's mm. a lot to catch up. So I think the acceleration has been because we're coming from, from a lot behind uh, compared to other, uh, uh, to other domains. Uh, and I still think there's a lot more we can do, but uh, definitely the industry is accelerating and, and, and fast. Yeah. yeah. What, what elements are you seeing coming into our industry that weren't there five years ago? Uh, well, I would say you know, very ad hoc to what we're discussing today, the marketing skills for sure. But I will pair that up with, at least my experience for Hans has been, a lot of the, the work that has been done on the field of customer experience. Mm -hmm. You know, like in general, there's been a lot of looking at this is what we do or the best practices of the customer experience field. Uh, how do you bring them into a learning and development uh, a practice? Um, a lot of the design thinking uh, methodologies uh, are also being kind of like uh, shaped into how do you design learning experiences. Um, so th th those are these elements that I've seen more and more becoming, I wouldn't call mainstream yet, but at the forefront front of this is where the, the the industry is going. Yeah, it's where we need to get to. And, you know, when I hear you talk about things like design thinking, UI, UX, bigger emphasis on marketing and communications, to me, it suddenly feels like we're thinking about our employees, our audiences, our customers as human beings, as people, and, and really taking the directive away from, you know, the business wants the person to do this so they should do it and they should want to do it to actually what do we need to build an engineer in order to facilitate and enable those experiences so that we can get the success that the business wants that it, that to me is like a, a really pivotal shift in mindset and you know the way that we're approaching actually developing learning experiences and humanizing the whole L&D function to me the skills that I'm seeing that you know things that are on the um, LPI capability map thing a lot of those those are actually about either humanizing the learning experience or understanding our function better so you like data analytics and things like that 
let's go back to, obviously you're here to talk about marketing for learning. Yay. Um, let's talk a little bit about marketing and communications. Is that something that you have been doing at ING throughout your tenure in, in that function? Or is that something you, you introduced whilst you were running that team? No, actually it predates me, but just by a little, right? Like I was very lucky that when I joined the team as a, what at ING call a customer journey expert, it was a newly formed team. Right, so this was uh, probably um, um, you know four years ago or something um, when I joined the Tech Academy. Uh, what happened there? It was the crystallization of what we're discussing here. Right at that time, they moved the Tech Academy from a center to develop content, mm -hmm. and they said that that's no longer the purpose, but also that's no longer the kind of roles that we want. Right, like and then they reshaped or we reshaped the whole team uh, into these three key roles: a employee journey expert, a data analyst, and event slash communication managers, right? like, and, and all of a sudden, those were the three roles that make up the team. Wow. And then, so we formalize what are the skills and what are the things that we need to do for the Tech Academy. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, creating content was no longer uh, part of what we were supposed to do. And like, <laughs> so it was pretty radical. It was a bold experiment. So I can say I've, I saw firsthand how can, can be done. I mean, because sometimes yeah. I've heard with colleagues saying like, yeah, but that would be too radical, that would be too difficult. It is. But I think it calls for that sort of a, a boldness of uh, trying something new. And so we saw how marketing all of a sudden, it was like, hang on a second, we don't have those skills. We're supposed to. It's been formalized. It's part of my job description, but I've never done it. And then, so there was a lot of learning by doing, which was really, really uh, interesting to be part of as a journey. And uh, that was four years ago. And after only a year and a half ago, then I had opportunity. My previous manager left. And, and then I picked up the role as the head of Tech Academy. And then I had the chance to say, okay, now how can I make sure that everyone within the team accelerates that learning journey? I would say the two core skills became community management and marketing slash communications. They were like, okay, we need to really build our knowledge or capability pronto. It was really mm -hmm. important. Yeah, I think that that dynamic of team is fascinating, actually, because the, those three groups of people, events manager, um, was it community manager and data analyst? Yeah, so we call it employee journey expert. That's it. And so then I, event managers. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, in, in the fact that you're you were calling it customer journey expert, and I, again, you're thinking about what a marketer would do. Like, what are all my touch points with a customer before they become a customer? So when you know, from them first ever hearing about us to them converting to us, how many touch points and where can we be where they are? And it completely again, it's not. L&D sat in front of like, we've got the LMS, why is no one coming? It's actually like, we need to proactively go and start these conversations. Then our community managers are going to be in those places and facilitate and enable those conversations and continuously and consistently keep that conversation going. Events are there for ad hoc activity and, and creating buzz. And I think, you know, those three roles could absolutely form the core of a marketing function. You know, so the fact that, you know, that it is, it is bold, it is drastic. I'm curious to understand what level of success you've had off the back of actually kind of like kind of flipping L&D on its head in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say it was success in the sense that I will measure success in two levels. The first one, of course, regarding our audience. And there has been a strong awareness or refresher of what the Tech Academy as a brand was. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, okay, um, I hear you uh, are doing something different. I like it. We see, we tracked a lot of the, the satisfaction of all the communications that we build and all the solutions that we get. So the feedback from our audience has been positive. But also if you look at other academies, uh, they were all of a sudden starting to look at the Tech Academy and saying, hey, 
what is it that you guys are doing? And, mm. and that's interesting. And how could we do some of that? So uh, I think we had confirmation from both uh, sides that it was interesting. And, you know, when you talk about, uh, about what we did in conferences with peers in the industry, they either are at the same level as you, but they say, yes, this is where we're going, or they're trying and experimenting. And they were kind of like listening to you or asking questions. So in general, I would say that's, that was the way to go. And uh, it was definitely not easy. It took a while. That's also, I think, expecting to be high performing on that new way of thinking about learning internally. That, that was unrealistic. Uh, it took us, I would say, probably a couple of years. And we're still, or they are still uh, in that journey. I left the organization only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. On, onwards and upwards to new adventures. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's fascinating to understand, you know, what, what you guys are actually doing in terms of marketing versus learning. Because, you know, usually like the typical L&D dynamic or the team dynamic that I would see is, you know, kind of a, a help, an L&D leader, manager, whatever their formal job title is, then maybe some sort of content creation cohort, whether that's an ID or a couple, maybe these days a learning experience designer or someone to support that. Um, and that, you know, th those are usually the typical roles that I would see. Were you not creating content at all? Were you kind of like, we've got our stuff and we're quite happy with, with what we've got right now. Let's focus really on actually getting engagement with it. Yeah, so I would say the transition was radical and mm -hmm. it was extreme to the other side from only creating content to non-creation of content. And so things that, I've, that we've learned is that we might need some content creation, right? So yeah. it was, but, but I think at that time, the context of the transformation called for saying no to content creation. Yeah. But then it forces us to evolve in the other areas that we needed to, to fulfill this, this desire on our transformation. Right. So I would say I, I never call for don't do content, but I say it has to be like a tiny, tiny part of it. Uh, um, so all of a sudden the, the, the policy was very simple was saying, you know, like if there is content needed to be done, it's, you know, like you hand this over to an external agency. They're pretty good at it. Um, or you support your subject matter experts so they are the ones creator and then you offer them the tools and the, and the support so they can create it, right? And the third layer is make sure that you buy the best that is uh, in the market. Right? Like, so, mm -hmm. so that's how we solve the content problem. It was fairly easy by having that very strict, we don't create content. It was fairly easy to then start focusing on the areas we wanted. Mm -hmm. right? So at the, at the end of the day, you know, marketing is about attracting attention of what you created or what you have. Right? So then... When we solve that problem of the content being there, then we spend a lot more time on how do we attract the right attention? How do we bring that to the right audience? And that's, as, as we know, that's kind of like the core uh, idea of marketing. You know, you are battling for attention and then you're really trying for them to look at, hey, this is interesting. This is relevant for me. And then, so we, we started experimenting with those, with those ideas. I love that because our industry is obsessed with content or and tech in general in terms of like, it's not working. People are, you know, it must be the content. It must be the tech. And actually, like, I think it's incredible that you have had the gumption to stop and say, mm -mm, we're not doing that anymore. We're really happy with what we've got here. And in terms of the skills that we've mapped out that we want our engineers to have or be able to acquire through the Tech Academy, we're confident that we've got the content for that. We don't need to go and create anymore. And I think because of that, like you said, there, there's not this layer of distraction in terms of constantly having to grapple and create more e-learning. That's because realistically, that's probably what most of it is. Um, but, or that's what most of L&D use. But 
you can you can then strip that entire layer out and suddenly your team's able to have a, a really renewed focus on something else because it is hard, right? Like you said, point blank, your team, you know, weren't necessarily doing that in the initial and they don't have those skills. They've got to, if they're able to actually cultivate marketing skills, they need the time to do that. Just like your learners need time to learn new skills. But if they're always busy focusing on the content, then, or, you know, the L&D part, they don't have the time to actually develop those skills. I'm curious, um, in terms of how, you know, you helped your team and well, you were part of that team and then obviously you started leading it about a year and a half ago. What what ways or how were you guys, you know, I'm doing marketing for learning stuff myself. I know there's not a lot of resource out there that's very specific to this, this layer of marketing in a learning function. How are you guys going about upskilling yourselves? Yeah, so I think it, it, it was really, really interesting because all of a sudden we didn't think ourselves as learners. Mm, yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, you you can like take a book of what is learning, what is the right learning journey, right? Like, and it has multiple components. Right? Like the first one is okay, what is the kind of material that we can learn from? So we took some courses, we started sharing some articles around it. So there was there was a lot of let's see some of the basic content about it. Uh, the other was let's start asking ourselves a, a few questions. Right? Like so, when you do the planning, when you do the things that you want to do in terms of projects and everything, ask a few questions. Do we actually know our audience? Are we able to segment our audience? Are we certain that we understand uh, this, this kind of like one of the core ideas of design thinking is building the empathy, understanding the needs of your audience, right? Like, which is overlaps fairly nicely with marketing. So these are the kind of questions that push us to say, we might not, we might not know, we might not uh, have this information. And so, okay, so how we get that information? So it was that, that learning happened through seeding some of the basics, uh, 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 concepts and knowledge ideas, then asking ourselves a few questions to see where are the gaps. And then the third part is, you know, knowledge transfer only happens when you practice. Mm. Like, so, so creating the opportunity as a team to practice that. And that's the reason actually why we made this because you helped us with, with a campaign. That was, that was a way as well saying like, we want to create campaigns. And we are understanding a lot more for the past year and a half of what our users or, or, or audience is. Um, and now we have a lot to say. Yeah. So how do we say it in a structured manner? And then that's how we said we'll, we just learn by doing. Yeah. And so we had components of everything, you know, like self-learning, social learning itself. You know, we were sharing some articles of the, the idea of uh, uh, questioning what we do and then practicing and then just repeat that cycle as many times as possible. Baptism of fire. Yeah. And you know what? I that, That's the truest part of marketing, though. You know, it, 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 we as a like marketers, the best marketers I know, love getting it wrong because that's where we really learn a lot about ourselves our knowledge and, and our understanding of our audiences so you know my key takeaway from everything you just said there is you don't have to be a marketer to do marketing for learning and there's something I, I really want to articulate you know you don't need to be me you don't need to work in marketing for 10 years to understand this stuff, to start thinking more objectively about, you know, the touch points with a with an audience, the channels that you do have available, um, you know, audience segmentation. Like I know you guys have quite established personas at ING, for example, and those are helping you to better target different audience cohorts, for example. So, you know, I think that it's great to see that you guys are being proactive and taking the initiative to say, well, look, you know, it, the reality is if we just keep on doing the same stuff, we're going to get the same results, right? So if we want to get a different outcome, i.e. increase engagement with our learners, we need to do something radically different 
to not only disrupt the status quo in the team, but also really get the attention of our learners. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was really a, a big part of uh, how we started. And yeah. so, and, and as I mentioned, it was, it, it was a long process and sometimes it was not easy. Sometimes it can be frustrating. I think for anything going through a learning curve, you have moments in which you don't quite understand either why are we doing this or why we don't get the results of is it enough what we're doing? You know, and I think that's where it's also important to have a team that is very comfortable uh, failing, very comfortable saying, okay, we tried. It, didn't work out. Can we just reflect on why we think it didn't work out the way we thought about it? Can we, you know, tweak? Can we try again? Can we wait a little bit, let it simmer, and then we pick ourselves up and try it again? That level of reflection is also super important in any learning journey uh, for building capability. You cannot expect to get it right uh, at the first or the second time. No. And that's why we should do things like benchmarking as well, because, or any way for us to kind of measure, because then we don't just have to ask ourselves, well, hey, you know, what went wrong or why didn't that work? You might actually get some data that will help inform or give you at least some hypothesis, give you some hypotheses, say that 10 times fast, um, that will allow you to, you know, maybe understand a bit more about your audience. Okay, that didn't work because, you know, maybe it was the time of day we sent the email or they didn't like the subject line, whatever. There's so many permutations, but that's that's why testing and, and benchmarking and things like that can really help, especially with a team that's just coming to, coming to terms with a new way of working, embracing more marketing thinking. The more data and insight that you can get to help inform your decisions, the better. So I'd be curious to understand a little bit more about, you know, what you were doing from a marketing capability perspective, obviously lots of internal upskilling, which is lovely to see, you know, we're talking a lot about that in the industry, how much L&D needs to reskill. I love that you guys are doing that off your own back. Um, but what, what, once you kind of got your heads around marketing, what were the key things that you started doing from a communications perspective? Yeah. So uh, one of the first things we're trying play around with was uh, a segmentation of our audience. Mm -hmm. right? So, and this was kind of like fairly new for us because it was one newsletter for thousands of people, same content. Again, all these questions started saying, okay, maybe some people might need different content. Yeah. Who? And then, so we started asking ourselves questions, how do we segment our, 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 our audience? And those were ideas that we were playing with marketing without calling it marketing, right? And then all of a sudden, someone finds an article and says, hey, here's an idea. How do you segment your audience? Oh, that's interesting. Could we do that with the data we have? No. Let's go back to the data analyst. Okay, how do we do this? How do we get... So all these things were already an applied thing, which reached a, a, a point in which right now we actually do A-B testing on articles yeah. and A-B testing on versions of the newsletter. So that's, that's the level of play that we, are, that we are at right now, or the team is at right now when I left. It's like we can target based on role target based on consumption. So we know who are the high learners on our LMS. And then you can say, okay, these ones, you need to promote something slightly different than those who haven't joined the LMS, right? So we can like start cross-referencing the data and, uh, and also based on their maturity level, uh, according to the growth of the career path. So, uh, and then we test sometimes, say like for this version, we put an article slightly different headers. Let's mm -hmm. see which one actually performs better, right? So um, this is one of the things that, that we started with and we saw a lot of, okay, this is possible. This is nice. We see the click-through rates. We see the opening rates going higher. Okay, we're onto something. Mm -hmm. um, I think the second thing we started looking at, I think one of the, again, we go to the principle, one of the principles of, of marketing is, is to attract attention. And all of a sudden we saw, how about we bundle a lot of what we do and then we create even more attention to it. So we started playing with, uh, instead of making 
uh, spread out as learning sessions. Uh, how do we, why don't we do a campaign? A learning campaign. And that can like ring the bell say like, yeah, that would be most interesting because then you can say, hey, hey, this week, it's all about this topic, right? And then that resonated with our engineers, but then how did we start communicating? How we started thinking of the communication was a lot about marketing is how do we create uh, uh, a bit more like a, a snappy, direct titles to our conferences and, and how do we do a nice tone of voice? And again, we started playing with these ideas without knowing how a good marketing would do it. We were just on our own trying yeah. to figure it out, right? Uh, and then so all of a sudden we, we solidify the concept of a learning campaign. And then the third step, and that's where you came in was, okay, now that we play around with uh, some of our content, we play around with uh, the campaigns as a learning festival of sorts. Now let's move to a whole, the, the, the holy grail. It's like, how do we build our brand? How do we establish our brand? And we create a full year of, uh, of events, of situations that reinforces the messaging that we have. So no longer a campaign about uh, the content, it's a campaign about the idea of learning. That is kind of like the, 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 the most evolved version of marketing for us. Again, we play first with a bit of communication, then we place first letter with a bit of content. Then the, the first step, the last time I left, it was, okay, it's, it's about the learning culture, right? Like yeah. how we embed that message because everything we do. I, I love that you've kind of looked at it as a graduation, like a progressive process rather than, you know, we haven't jumped in with both feet, like, right, we're going to change our learning brand and we're going to get everybody engaged and they're going to love it. It's almost like, you, you've understood that there had to be the, this kind of process, not only with your learners, but your team. You know, if you'd kind of tried to run before you'd walked, and maybe if we talked a year ago, for example, you, your team might not have been as comfortable to kind of embrace the plan that we put together and, and, and use some of the assets and things like that in the way that we designed. So I think, it, you know, I like that you've actually understood that it isn't a case of like, let's do everything all at once. Like, oh my God, we need to do marketing. Let's do it all. You know, take pilots, you know, take off small bite-sized chunks at first. Like do not try and do it all because it it won't work because your level of understanding has become more advanced as you've done more stuff. And you, you know, with those failures, you've learned more about your audience. So then, you know, when we've had a conversation, you can go, well, I know this about them. I know this about, you know what I mean? Like you had a really clear idea of, who the audience cohort was, their kind of typical behaviors, wants, needs. And so that was really quite established. You know, some learning functions I speak to, they don't really have even that level of understanding in terms of their overall audience, never mind, you know, personas or segments within them. So, you know, that that to me is a really big takeaway that, you know, we're not suggesting that you go and do absolutely everything all at once, like do some little bits, try some things, like you said, mess around with tone of voice, try different subject lines, try different bits of content within the emails. Even that sort of stuff is true marketing, but it's little and it's it's manageable, even, even with a team who doesn't have uh, designated marketers in their team. So I think that that, you know, that for me is, is really important. And, you know, the, the brand stuff is, is such an important aspect of culture. Um, you know, if we really, if we're talking about wanting to get people bought in with the idea of learning, so like you said, looking beyond go here, do this module, go here and do this program or this course, actually the way we really want to bed in with people is, you know, you are, you're, you're in control of your learning because it has to come from them. The onus will always be on the learner as to whether they learn or not. So really it's down to L and D in my opinion, to convince them that learning is of merit and value to them. 
and it's down to them to commit that time. So I think, you know, the fact that you've kind of arrived at that branding piece later, it says a lot about your mindset, I think, and, and how progressive you truly are. And, and, and I would say it was, it was a conscious way of addressing this challenge. And it was, it was uh, helpful in two layers. The, the one that you mentioned, you know, like within the team, you allow the team to experiment, you allow the teams to, to, to find their own understanding, the practicalities of how to do all the things that you're trying to learn. It builds its confidence. You know, like yeah. it, it, the, the failures are, 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 let's say, encapsulated within that project. It's not the whole concept failed. The whole idea of where we go and fail is like this campaign might not be the, the best. We can try it again. This newsletter might not be the best. So that confidence is key for the team. But I would say the other side, and, and this, is, this is critical to understanding of marketing, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a good, nice marketing initial campaign will get people's eyeballs for a second, for five seconds, for 10 seconds. But if what you deliver is crap, they're not coming back. Yeah. Oh. So, so, so <laughs> how can you expect at the very beginning, if you are still finding your way on delivering right journeys, if you're not mature enough to deliver those journeys, and then you go all uh, massive, super jazzy, excellent uh, visual assets and jingles. And hey, look at our academy and all of a sudden, but where is the substance? And like, so at the end of the day, we needed to also be ready, experience, learning experience wise. Uh, and that's why a year and a half later, we could say, hey, not only we're going to build this massive learning culture campaign, but we can back it up with excellent curation of resources, excellent communities that are ready to support there by the experts, by, by the managers. You know, you put all the pieces together and you say, okay, we earn the right because we build little by little that brand. We earn the right for you to hear what we have to say, but also to follow the suggestions that we give. Right? Like at the end of the day, we give you a reason to pay attention to us and like to visit, to stay and to come back every day. And like, so, so that it had to come together. Otherwise it would have been a failure as well. And that's where you need that gradual approach. Mm. And that trust piece is so, so important. I mean... You know, I harp on about it all the time. Building trust with your audiences is integral to your continued success. And what you just touched on is absolutely correct, in my opinion, also. Like, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, if we're going to overpromise and underdeliver, you only have one opportunity to make a really good first impression. You know, if any product, if you had like, you know, Coca-Cola, best tasting Coca-Cola ever, and then it's Roller-Cola from Aldi or something and it tastes rubbish, you're never going to buy it again. You, you, they had one opportunity to live up to the promise that they made you and it's failed. And it, our brains are that simple in some ways, you know, humans are that fickle and, oh no, I went there. Then you've got a huge amount of work on your hands to rebuild that trust, to regain that trust. So people might be willing to give you the benefit of the doubt the first time and say, oh, I'll go see what it's about. I don't know. But once you've kind of collapsed that, it, it's gone. So I think that that I've said that in a previous podcast, you know, be very mindful of how you position your learning products. Be aware of the world that you exist in, because otherwise you can have exactly what you've just said. And it can actually create more dysfunction, more detachment and disengage further because people yeah. are suddenly like, well, you know, why should I listen to them? <laughs> They're full of crap. Right? Have, so, yeah, absolutely. It backfires. You, you have to back up your message with uh, uh, quality experiences, quality learning experience, and yeah. you have to make sure you have both. Yeah, Absolutely. So you mentioned a bit about failures. You know, I, I love failing in marketing. It's my favorite thing, really. Um, can you think of any, any remarkable failures that you guys had as a team or anything that really sticks out as a good learning experience by failure through marketing? 
yeah, certainly. Um, and I think that this might be relevant more on the enterprise side of things. Uh, but I think, you know, probably, hopefully we have some of the listeners in that, in that field. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a learning part of the organization is to a certain extent independent, but you don't live in isolation. Right? Like at the end of the day, you know, you need to connect with the broader lines of what is the true messaging for internal employees, uh, what is possible in terms of the kind of tools, the kind of content that you bring in, uh, what is possible in terms of the kind of branding that you can or cannot create. And these things, again, we had to learn uh, uh, by doing it. Uh, like there were not a lot of uh, academies thinking in terms of making a learning campaign. We were probably one of the first ones, if not the first ones doing it. And all of a sudden, I was kind of like in the middle of the process, having to figure out, oh, hang on, we should have a line with uh, a global internal comps. Of course. Yep. But we didn't know. We didn't think about it. It, it sounds so obvious after. Um, so these are the kind of things that uh, luckily we have uh, fantastic colleagues. And luckily at that time, it never generated a problem. But, you know, in a more mature uh, process, this is one of the first things we would have checked. What is it possible that we can say that aligns with the messaging? Yeah. Uh, uh, or what is it that we're allowed to use or not use in terms of assets? So uh, these things, I would, I would call it a very significant learning experience because it was also frustrating. You know, like you are already developing, you're already thinking, brainstorming, creating uh, maybe some assets. And all of a sudden the teams ask, you know, so we need to redo. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we learned, right? Like, so, so it, it was nothing that it was absolutely wasted. There was a lot that could be reworked. Uh, but I would pin that as one of those uh, things that certainly the team wouldn't go again through because we've learned yeah. very much that the, the alignment in, in an in, in enterprise corporate is, 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 is super important. Yeah, you won't make that, that uh, I was going to say mistake. It's not really a mistake because you don't know what you don't know, right? No. Um, but I, I, everywhere I've talked to and anyone I've spoken to or even places I've worked at are Bay Enterprise, internal comms are, you know, hierarchically, they're going to say, like, what they say is gold and gospel and, and they will dictate to a certain extent what you can and cannot do. L&D just needs to kind of play ball with that. There may be places where you could push back or see where the boundaries are and push them a little bit, but chances are they're going to tell you what you can and cannot do with the brand, whether you can even develop a sub-brand, a sub-brand, you know, like some companies I've worked for, they're able to have a sub-brand, they will have their own color palette, logo, or their own kind of ident. Um, others have to stick to the organizational branding because that's that's what's going on in, in their function in their business. So I think that that's a that's a, a really important lesson. And thank you for sharing with the listeners because this is stuff you just if you haven't done it, you don't think about it. Like you don't you can't know you can't possibly know every single bit and touch point. And if you've never built a brand before, why would you think you even need to go and talk to internal comms, right? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. yeah, and and, and I think. Indeed. So, so the advice is make sure you map out what the boundaries are or what you can and cannot do, because then it allows you to go faster on the things you can do. Right? Like, you don't, you don't worry the things you can't. That's you know, it, it's the way it is. But I would say that's also super important, uh, and that of course depends on every organization. Uh, uh, going back to the trust, uh, going back to the messaging. If you are in an organization where uh, internal comms indeed is restrictive, but also they don't give you a lot to play with. Mm. That's very difficult. I like luckily within ING, uh, you know, there is a lot of work in terms of internal branding, internal internal employee messaging. So there was there was a lot to work on already. There was a lot of uh, uh, guidance, a lot of support, a lot of open mindedness, and, and and they were clear on certain things you can't do. That's fine, but there was space still to do that, and we trusted it that they are excellent professionals on creating a fantastic internal messaging. 
So we yeah. could just reduce that and, and translate it into, okay, that messaging, what does it mean for the learning uh, journeys of our engineers? Like, so that also goes with the trust that uh, uh, you have excellent colleagues in internal communication. And that was the case for us. Yeah, and I think they're a good team to get on site anyways. You know, they they know their stuff, like you said, and and they're going to help with amplification of your message too. You know, if they're, see if there's kind of overarching messaging or branding that they're doing from an internal comms perspective, if you can align with that, then, you know, A, it's more coherent for the, for the you know, employee. It's going to make more sense to them. They're going to probably get it more, but internal comms will have their own strat and they're going to therefore be executing their own communications. So if you're aligned with that, you know, you're kind of getting amplification by association anyway. So in that sense, it's it's not a bad thing to get these stakeholders on side. And, you know, they can be really helpful. They'll have more resource than you probably. They'll probably have better design capabilities. And like you said, a little bit more marketing knowledge. So again, another very good resource to learn from, I think. So these people are, are definitely allies and um places that we should be seeking to unify uh, with L&D more, I think. Yep. So I have, I have just two more questions for you. The first one is, what's something, so, you know, you've been, you've been learning, lifelong learner, you've seen, you've seen a lot of different kind of educational contexts and runs a school, which I think is awesome, by the way. Um, what, in your time in learning and development, there must be things going on that you think, oh, why are we doing that? Why is that still happening? You know, I can think of a few off the top of my head that I think like, why, for example, why are we still going on? Like, is it responsive? Is it mobile learning? Like, surely that should just be tacit by now. It's not. But, it, you know, that grinds my gears. Is there anything that you think, you know, either ways that we talk about our learners, things that we're doing to solve our problems? Is there anything you think we should just stop doing? It's not any benefit to us. I would say two. The first one, and it might be an easy one, but it, it remains the biggest challenge for an L&D crowd. We are obsessed, a fetish on content, and that needs to stop. Now, like, uh, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people uh, are saying that, but it needs to be repeated because we're still doing it, mm. right? And, and that perhaps has to do with the type of messaging that we answer when we receive requests from the business. Right? It needs to be more of a partnership, right? and uh, taking orders. So we need to stop the obsession with content, right? And the second thing I would say is something that we need to start doing almost mandatory is there shouldn't be any learning integration without opportunities to practice what you've learned, period. Mm -hmm. If you're designing something that is just delivering content and it doesn't include how do you apply that and a follow-up on the application of that, then you're just throwing everything away. It, it's it, the whole concept of learning transfer is very simple and clear. And yet, one of the most ignored parts of a learning journey. Mm. And, and, and I think it's something that we need to start putting attention. And like in the learning journey, you follow up with the learner on the practice, the implementation, the reflection, because then you solidify actual change of behavior, which is the goal of learning in an enterprise at the end of the day. Yeah. It leaves me speechless that that's not happening. And, you know, again, but it comes back to your first point and over-reliance on digital content, for somehow we've taken this leap. And I think it's like a legacy thing, maybe from compliance delivery, right? Where, okay, they've got the checkbox, they've done it. And somehow we've then now decided that that means that they learned it 
and that they're now doing that. And they, oh yeah, now they do a self and safety module. It was an hour and now they know exactly how to lift up a box and do CPR or whatever. And you just think, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, so I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. That requires a much deeper level of understanding of your learners, the journeys that they go on and really like, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing from a marketing perspective also applies to the learning function, you know, understanding that different audience cohorts need different things at different times. And I'm not talking about learning styles. I'm talking about understanding how you can give people the opportunities to learn when it's appropriate for them. And then, as you said, how do you continue that with touch points, mentoring, you know, opportunities? How do you get your managers bought in so that they can support uh, the development or application of, of things that are being learned? So it isn't just a case of, you know, one and done, here's your e-learning, off you trot, you're sorted. You know, that's, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> and then the thing is, marketing doesn't help with any of that. You know, th these are some of the more intrinsic, deep-rooted issues that are very established in our industry. And I do think that's perpetuated sometimes by vendors, like this tech will solve your problem, this will do this. And, you know, we love vendors, they're great. But it's up to us, I think, as practitioners to be more um, inquisitive and curious and query, you know, how is that solving the problem? What's the real problem I'm trying to solve here? Engagement is very rarely the real problem, I think. And yeah, absolutely. And, 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 but I think just to add a bit of, of, of a nuance of what you said, I do think that a marketing mindset helps eventually. Right? Yeah. And it's kind of like tangential, but, but important to this idea in two, in two layers. The first one is because it forces you to truly understand, to say, hang on a second, do you truly understand what are the pains of your uh, audience? Hmm. Eventually, you're going to stop th you start thinking on those terms uh, across different levels, not only on the attention side, but like how are they applying? You know, like that will come up if you spend time understanding your learners. So that building of empathy that, that a good marketing requires will lead you to that part. The second part is because marketing is very data-driven, very like you try this and you test and you measure and then you try and improve again. That also is going to give you that inquisitive mindset of saying, you know, at the end of the day, is it, did they learn? Did they apply? Is there a change of behavior? Can we measure that given the feedback they ask us? So, so eventually it would lead to this, to this kind of reflections that improve your understanding of what true learning uh, means in an organization. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, you need to start. Uh, <laughs> Uh, building that mindset. So, but, but I think it, it, it can help. Yeah. Yeah. Valid points. And asking why I would love to encourage that more as well. Like why aren't people doing this or why isn't this working? I think it's not just, oh, that's not working. Let's try something else. Like ask the why and dig a little bit deeper, take the time. You know, I think we've got so much going on. It's like, you know, your team was able to push a lot of that content stuff out so you could focus on what you knew the real problem was for your team uh, and, you know, the overall tech academy. We need to carve out the space to give us, give our minds a little bit more creativity and, and that analytical thought process to actually understand what's really going on. So I think that, you know, you're absolutely right. That mindset, it's down to that, how we think, how we approach a problem. Final question for you. We've covered so much today in terms of the amazing communications and marketing work that you, you, you and your team were doing back at ING. And you said some really incredible stuff around how marketing can influence the way that we think and our mindsets and really significantly shift the function as a whole rather than just that layer of communications on top. What would you like our listeners to take away from today? Um, I will actually steal what you said. Uh, um, as, as the main takeaway of, 
based on my experience, which is uh, marketing mindset and some marketing practices are core of what we do. It, that, that is unavoidable. Just like if we truly want to influence an improvement in behavior, we need to understand uh, some of these marketing skills, but you don't need to be a marketeer, right? Mm. And, and then so understanding that allows it for you to start practicing bits and pieces and build that capability. At the end, it's a recant of what I already mentioned as a journey. But if you are listening to this and if you're thinking that makes sense, that's interesting, that's curious, uh, do know that you can start today without a deeper understanding, without deep expertise, without being a marketeer. You can apply those things already and then you build from there. And so, you know, Tron is it's, it's honest invitation for everyone. Embed that in the practice because it is much, much needed and it definitely brings uh, uh, fantastic results. Brilliant. Well, that's uh, been a wonderful conversation, Al. I've loved chatting with you. And I think that journey that the, the team's been on is incredible. I think the level of initiative and like I said, that gumption that you had to just flip everything on its head and say, Do you know what? No, we're not doing that anymore. I really respect that. And I think that I'm sure you'll go on to do fantastic things at Data Snipper. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and share share your story and share your learnings as well. I know they're really, really valuable to the listeners. Yeah, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, yeah, for, for everyone who's listening, yeah, thank you for spending some time listening to my story. So it was great to be here. Great. And if anybody wants to find you, can they go and find you out on LinkedIn? I'll put a link in, in the show notes and things like that. But you're happy to connect with people and have a chat if they want absolutely. to find out more absolutely i love to uh, i love to connect with uh, peers so uh, you know like please reach out and i'll be happy to to connect fabulous that's the marketing for learning podcast al knows marketing for learning is going to be a thing